And you're listening to Business, The Law and You. Welcome to another interesting show. Julian Campbell here. And a bit later in the program, we're going to be looking at our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one is prepare for tough business situations as you practice a sport. We're also talking with Christina later on about rejuvenating and emerging businesses. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Dr. John Woodward, who's an associate lecturer here at the university. We're going to be talking about those unpaid subcontractors in the building industry. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? Thank you for uh, joining us again. Um, That's all right. And uh, we just heard on the news that uh, another building big company has uh, gone into liquidation. And is this a still a long-going, ongoing problem? Well, uh, liquidation of building companies is an ongoing problem and probably something we're likely to see a bit more of um, in future with the amount of development that's going on around this city. Um, uh, in relation to the company that we've, about which we've just heard on the one, one o'clock news, um, it was featured also in last Saturday's um, Herald, which uh, piqued my interest. Um, what, I, what I was intrigued about is um, the calls by subcontractors for changes in the law about um, personal liability of directors in cases where um, companies have been insolvent for some time and essentially misrepresent their state of solvency to uh, to, uh, to people they, with whom they trade. Mm. Um, what I want to say about that basically is that it's, it's been the law in this country since uh, the 23rd of June 1993 Right. that uh, if a company uh, becomes insolvent or it is insolvent and uh, uh, it incurs a debt while it's insolvent, then any person who is a director, that can be either a, a, a registered director or somebody who's acting in as if they were a director or a de facto director, mm. um, and, uh, and they're in a position where they, where they either knew or they should have known that the company was insolvent, then those people are personally liable for the debt incurred by the company. Now, um, you know, proving all of that is quite complex. Um, it's a liquidator's action, so a liquidator has to take the proceedings. Um, but um, because of the complexity of it, a lot of those potential claims of insolvent trading are not pursued, mm. um, either because it's too difficult to establish one or other of the elements of the required proofs or because... The directors are also insolvent and they have no assets that are worth um, pursuing. pursuing. Yeah, and, and I think that sometimes, uh, as you say, a director is responsible or should have known. Uh, a lot of them are not very financially... Uh, uh, they don't really understand the financials. Sorry, so again? A, lot of, a the... lot of the directors don't really follow the financial documents and understand where a business is going. Um, well, that's true. I think this particular problem, um, and the one certainly that, about, that, that I've been hearing about in recent days, is the problem that um, that whether they either don't know um, and should know, or uh, for whatever other reason, for the interest of trying to um, you know trade out of their difficulties or whatever, mm. they're misrepresenting uh, the company's circumstances to uh, potential creditors. So, in other words, okay. they're incurring debt. Yeah. They are trading at a time when they should not be incurring the Any obligations of the company, and then they, when the company does um, go into liquidation or, or become, you know, it, in publicly solvent, then they wipe their hands of the debt, leaving the subcontractors to be out of pocket. 
that can have ongoing uh, complications for companies further down the down the chain, down mm. the line. Mm. And you mentioned that the the law that uh, directors uh, are responsible. Um, and and that the uh, subcontractors are wanting to see a change in the law or a tightening of the law. How do ruling political parties affect law change? Well, in in this case, because company law is a federal uh, law, so it, you know, it's the Commonwealth government that that looks after these laws, and and uh, you know those things tend to be governed by uh, policy um, and the political ideology of the of the government of the day mm. now um, we, we at the moment we've got a conservative government a liberal um, uh, national coalition in government in Canberra and um, they have in fact changed the law um, they did that back on the 19th of September 2017 but the change that they made uh, wasn't to tighten um, the position against company directors it actually went the other way and loosened it Mm. Um, they introduced um, a, a, some legislation called the Treasury Laws 2017 Enterprise Incentives Number 2 Act. And the point of that, um, as its name suggests, was to encourage um, more investment, more enterprise, more risk into corporate activity. So what they did was to introduce a new section into the Corporations Act called a Safe Harbour Provision which provides additional protection to company directors of insolvent companies and provides them with additional excuses and allows them to continue trading insolvent companies, provided that they're able to show that they were doing so for the purpose of bringing the company back into a position of solvency or that would make it better for its creditors. Now, you know, that's all. The, 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 the provisions themselves are really quite complex and, and, and mm. take, they would take too long to talk about today. But um, essentially, the current, um, the current government in Canberra um, is aligned to the, you know, the political ideology of investment and, and so on. And, and, um, and, and uh, they therefore tend to excuse company directors from this kind of behaviour rather than... Um, as uh, as a more progressive government would would hold them to account mm. and and make them personally liable. So yes, we've had some change, but it's not in the direction that um, so, I think our subcontractors in this case would be uh, would be very happy about. So so we're we likely to see any uh, change in the foreseeable future, or do we have to wait for another change of government? Right, look, the sad news is I think we're going to have to wait for another change of government and. Um, these things are, are very complex. They usually follow um, a lot of, um, um, you know, studies and, and uh, investigation. Uh, in, indeed, the, the, the 1993 reforms took five years mm. um, to to legislate after the the uh, the Harmer report into the operations of uh, corporate activity. So. Um, they, they're, they're slow. It's a bit like you know trying to change the tax system, um, yeah. changing changing the habits and the culture and the and the um, the, the practices of, of corporates is quite a is quite a big task. Right. Well, thanks for your time today, John. Uh, That's all especially right. as it was a very topical subject, and we'll have a chat with you again another time. Pleasure to talk to you, Julian. Thank, Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. 
time to have a chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I was at a conference a few weeks ago and the, one of the speakers said, 20 years ago, we said, don't believe anything on the internet and don't, get, don't talk to strangers. And now we yeah. use the internet to uh, get into cars with strangers. <laughs> bizarre thought, isn't it? Um, and also, the, the, like, so at, at university, for example, we would um, uh, tell students not to not to use um, Wikipedia or you know not to use anything that came up in the first two searches on on, their, on the internet on any particular topic. And now we know that they're almost the most reliable because, for example, Wiki is is updated and people are reading it and going, yes, that's true, no, that's not true, you better change it. So, yeah, how things change. Some's good, some's not. Um, 95% of people believe what they see on the internet, so, yeah. Yeah, So so we're going to talk about rejuvenation and emerging. Yeah, we are. So I've just been very fortunate to come back from a um, a three-day collaborative, collegial gathering. So I've got colleagues that are scattered all over the planet, you know, from South Africa to the US to Canada to Amsterdam to, you know, we we are very much a global organisation and we gathered for three days to do some really hard work, um, but also to just have that connection with each other. And it's amazing how rejuvenating it is when you are with your peers face to face, enjoying conversation, enjoying um, working on projects together and, and doing things in real time and doing things in a real life situation rather than just on the internet. And I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago we spoke about yeah. um, a Googleplex, you know, and, and the desire to be face-to-face with some meetings when they could. So that human connection is very rejuvenating uh, and it's very um, soul-lifting, but we also got so much work done in three days that honestly would have taken weeks and weeks to, to conclude over the internet. So there is something to be said for gathering your colleagues, uh, particularly for off-site events. Yeah, unfortunately, with the coronavirus, though, it's having the opposite effect. Yeah, true. So yeah. we um, we still gathered. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Olympic yeah. flies, you know, conferences. I know that the, the Cisco conference was cancelled in Melbourne already. Um, who knows what's going to happen, mm. uh, you know, mm. leading in and, and where the rest of it. But then, you know, there's where digital comes in. So we are blessed to have the best of both worlds. We've got the we alternative. Still connect. Yeah, we, we do have an alternative, which is wonderful. So we've also we're going to talk about um, the the brilliance of converging technologies because what we realise that we need moving into the future is imagination. So we really do need to reimagine what the future is going to look like and creativity. So we were talking at one point of, um, of time in terms of creativity and innovation, and now it's almost like creativity and imagination because basically whatever we can imagine, we can almost put together and almost come true. There's been a, a quite a few products. Um, that have been based on converging technologies. And when we think about converging 3D, you know, 3D printing, robotics, AI sensors, etc., the number of, of products, the number of solutions we can come up with are, are really, you know, immeasurable. Mm. Um, and I thought I'd just throw a couple of examples into to the mix. Um, we all know that, you know, GoPros are, are fantastic cameras and we know that drones are wonderful um, to transport, uh, you know, medicines into third world countries or remote areas. Now we're using GoPro cameras on drones to go in and even do diagnosis with some people or, or to mm. have a specialist ask particular questions in remote areas. Um, so there's a, there's a convergence of, what, of the GoPro capabilities with the drones. And, you know, drones can capture amazing amounts of data. I saw a clip, some of the listeners may have seen it as well, where um, they were sitting in a restaurant and a robot waiter comes to you and it's a bit, you know, how can we have this robot waiter 
uh, in this situation, the humans being done out of a job, etc. But what they didn't realise um, and what came through the, the interview and the clip was that there was a person who, with a disability on the other end of the robot. So from their room, where they could not move from, they were being social, but they were actually working um, as a waiter through the robot, which was quite, you know, quite remarkable on the possibilities that that opens up for people um, who are, you know, who are not able to, to move into areas where we are. We've got surgery, you know, through um, robotic uh, extensions and we've got, you know, um, AR and VR practice moments for surgery but, but we've actually got surgery happening in remote areas via robotic arms etc yeah um, go on I was going to say, uh, you know, the point that you started off with, with imagining, uh, it's not mm. it's not new because Henry, Ford's, Henry Ford yeah. said, yeah. if you can imagine it, you can achieve it. That's right, absolutely. And we've been like that throughout history, you know. Some, yeah. At some point, somebody imagined a flying vehicle uh, and we actually believe that they're going to be in the air solving a lot of the traffic issues by the year 2030. Oh. So there's a, you know, there's something like six million cars. If you live in LA, apparently you spend two and a half weeks of your life, your working life, in a car, going backwards and forwards to work, and sitting um, in traffic is, lights. Yes, yeah, sitting sitting in traffic. Period. You know, yeah. so um, what what they're looking to solve, um, and what they've already had conferences on, is what that looks like from an aerial perspective. So how do we how do we create um, the air traffic well. that is going? And, and Australia's playing a, a part in that. We've got some um, people working on basically air traffic digital twinning so that they can figure out what, what that looks like and where the best areas for lifting traffic into the air is. And that's um, been in science fiction for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, we, so we imagined it quite some time ago and now it's, now it's going to be science fact. Mm. Uh, another thing that struck me in particular this week, um, I saw a, a suitcase that has been specifically designed for visually impaired people um, and it has sensors in it so that people can travel, visually impaired people can travel on their own using this suitcase that gives them instruction that all, that becomes their eyes. Wow. So there's a whole lot of sensors and a whole lot of different technologies that have converged to create that possibility. Mm. So when we, when we think about the opportunities, so people say, you know, the future of work, robots are going to take over, etc. The possibilities that are being opened up um, for different businesses, for people to think creatively, for people to come up with new concepts and solve problems are actually immeasurable, you know, and all we need is a bit of imagination, um, a lot of research uh, and a few brains to get together to figure out how we can actually make a lot of things happen. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time again and let's imagine some more things and we'll have a chat again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one, prepare for tough business situations as you practice a sport. One key tenet of coaching professional sports is preparing people in the most realistic context possible. For example, a coach might pour water on practice balls to prepare a team for wet game day weather. You can apply similar thinking to business situations. For example, you might work on rehearsing your pitch to a potential audience in front of, in front of colleagues you've asked to pepper you with difficult questions. You might create situations where a person is late to the meeting or is rushing you to finish your pitch. You might do the session in setting that mimics what you'd like to encounter, likely encounter in the real world, whether that's a noisy coffee shop or an overheated conference room. But sensitising yourself to the actual challenging that you're going to face, you'll become more adaptive and have a far greater chance of success.
Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've had a chat with Dr John Woodward about the unpaid subcontractors in the building industry. And Sarah talked about emerging businesses. In a moment, Sarah Farley-Adams will be back with us with more of her easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to chat with Adrian Cobalt from Turnbull Hill Lawyers about uh, your business and your will. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company at the same time for Business, the Law and You. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Aristotle once said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.